Hello and welcome. You are now listening to The Junk and Jam Hour, a live talk radio broadcast, a full 60 minutes of laughs, fun, and money. Well, maybe not money, but do take pleasure in the fact that you'll be getting to know someone new, like an artist, a musician, an author, or perhaps a silly clown. That's got to be worth something. Am I right? Anyway, I really don't get paid enough for this. This is The Junk and Jan Hour, only on Radio Free Brooklyn. And now for your on-air host, Silly Clown, Christopher Albert. Hello everyone, you are listening to The Junk and Jam Hour right here on Radio Free Brooklyn, the nonprofit community organization and freeform internet radio station streaming original content by New York City artists and broadcasters 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I am honored to have the platform to highlight and share the inspiring projects and imaginative contributions of talented underground and groundbreaking artists and entrepreneurs of all kinds. Now on today's special at-home episode of the Junkie Jam Hour, I have the pleasure of interviewing, of course, from a safe distance, two amazingly talented, queer-identifying New York City songwriters who not only produce music that proudly encourages inclusivity, but they are also dedicated artists to the cause of LGBTQ rights and representation. Billboard has described their music as soulful and lauds their latest single, No Prince Charming, featuring rapper and love and hip hop personality Mariah Lynn as catchy and playful. Meanwhile, Buzz Music praised their success for delivering music with an amazing message. Now their early feats have also catapulted them to play renowned stages, including The Cutting Room, where they performed with a full nine-piece band, were featured artists at last year's Austin Pride, they held a residency at the Bowery Electric, and opened up the new year with a show at the iconic Bitter End. It's time to get to know all about these New York City-based musicians and their impassioned music. Joining me from the Quarantine Palace is Greg and Brendan, otherwise known as the gay pop rock pair, Fab the Duo. Thank you so very much, Greg and Brendan. Now, we have all been in quarantine uh, these past few weeks. How has this time affected you both creatively? Well... For at the beginning of quarantine, we were actually super creative. Um, we wrote a bunch of songs. We actually wrote a whole musical too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I feel like there was a lull once it was months and months of, or what it felt like months and months being stuck in quarantine, where it's kind of hard to be creative. Yeah, I mean, I think that we were very creative, as you said, Brendan. Like at first, and then I think it's just, you know, whenever you have empty time like this it just kind of fades away you lose all ambitions so to speak yeah but we're, we're trying to get back into mm-hmm. it we've written a couple new songs in the last week so yeah. you know we're trying to see a light at the end of the tunnel yeah, we also did go really hard whatever we yeah did. literally like a week <laughs> so we wrote a whole musical in a week so that's yeah that was crazy that's actually quite impressive that you guys got to use this time to write a musical now, I know you both 
have been on movie binges. You said that you've been watching Harry Potter and Hunger Games. Have you discovered any new or older pieces of cinematic work that maybe has surprisingly caught your interest? So, I mean, yeah, we've we've been on a bunch of binges. We've watched Harry Potter, Hunger Games, um, what was it? You just watched Bring It On. You did watch Bring Brendan It On. Brendan has never seen Bring It On, which is a tragedy in itself. And he... Yeah, we've gotten kind of down the, like, sort of Disney rabbit hole, like Freaky Friday with Lindsay Lohan and Confessions of a Teenage which Drama you Queen. Not, you had also not seen Another Tragedy. Another Tragedy, um... Yeah, our shows are kind of running out. <laughs> yeah, we're running out. All of, all of the TV shows we were watching are ending. Like, they're all in series finales, and it's kind of like they're letting us down right now. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do after. <laughs> Not sure if you guys have seen it yet, but might I also recommend on Netflix, uh, Witcher is a good series. Hollywood is a great series. I think you guys would be really interested in. There's Star Trek Picard, uh, The Mandalorian, which I also enjoyed. Uh, me and my husband, we are catching up on Jane the Virgin. And of course, for you guys, I recommend, if you haven't done so already, everything and anything absolutely fabulous. Now, I know you are, as musicians and performers, you are so used to being on stage. Are you guys at all feeling stage sick? Um, um, yes. We're, we're literally puking our guts out. <laughs> we, we need to be back on stage. Um, we've been trying to do live sessions. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely, like, on Instagram and stuff, it's definitely not the same. But yesterday was one of the first really nice days, and we did a live session outside. Mm -hmm. And something really cool that happened was all our neighbors <laughs> started, like, joined in. They started applauding and, yeah, and cheering. And it was like we were bringing a live music video to them in our own backyard. And it was a, it was honestly a very special moment to have. Um, and it felt very New York, like only in New yeah, York. Yeah, only in New York. Happened. And people even, like, started bringing out their instruments. And mm -hmm. we were, like, all jamming out. So that was actually really beautiful and reminded me, like, oh, yeah, there are other human beings <laughs> and there are other ways to bring joy yeah. even from six feet away i love that there is nothing like live music no matter where it is played and obviously at this time you can't tour clubs or stadiums or festivals how can we as listeners and supporters of the arts how can we best help support musicians and fab the duo um definitely keep on streaming yeah streaming um our merch, which is all available on our website at fabduo.com. Um, and word of mouth, just supporting, um, tagging us in Instagram. That's like the biggest way right now. Yeah, sharing us. Sharing and caring. <laughs> sharing and caring. Um, but yeah, definitely if you want to get some fab swag, we have some awesome merch that we want to sell on our website. And yeah, I mean, streaming individually each song isn't that much, but you know, keep on streaming it over and over again and playing and sharing it, it does add up. Music is indeed the most universal language that is used to help inspire, raise awareness, hope, uplift, and certainly fundraise. Uh, recently, Elton John and the iHeart Living Room concert has helped to raise over $10 million for Feeding America and First Responders Children's Foundation. And Lady Gaga, with the Global Citizen, have raised over $127 million for coronavirus relief efforts with their One World Together at Home live stream benefit concert. And it's also been said even before their passing, which we have lost many to this disease, 
Many patients have requested special songs be played for them. And even doctors and nurses have reported taking part in singing to these patients. How does it feel to know that your music, your art, your voices can be used to heal and comfort others in such a dire time? Honestly, it's what art is made to do. Um, I feel like there's a new, hopefully new, found appreciation for art at this time as everyone in quarantine turned to art to save them. So I feel like an artist has never felt more important than right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think being reminded, like after our little live concert yesterday, we got so many messages from people saying like, that was amazing and that was so important and it brought so much joy to them. So yeah. just like really, you know, realizing how much joy art can bring. Even the live streams, um, I know it doesn't feel like there's an audience, but people do say that like it means a lot to them mm-hmm. to have. And yeah, without art and music, I couldn't, could not imagine getting through this quarantine. <laughs> Fab the duo wasn't always a duo, though presumably you both were still fabulous on your own. Tell us a little bit how you met. I know it began on Tinder. Yeah, so we met on Tinder um, about, what, two and a half years ago now? Yeah. And um, and it was just a moment that turned into a 12-hour moment uh, date. <laughs> and it then it just became... Like, we didn't want to sing together for the longest time, in fact. Um, We tried to avoid it. And what was that aha moment where you both realized, okay, we're not only a match, but we make great partners in music as well? So, yeah, we we had this cabaret, um, which was kind of basically, um, we saw another really bad cabaret and we're like, oh, we could do it better. And we did that once in New York and it was really fun. And then we did it again in Austin. And then we sort of got this um, residency at this hotel called the Nomo Soho. And we had to like play all these new songs and covers and all this stuff every week. And it kind of just forced us to sing together a lot. And we realized how much fun we were having. And Fab just kind of started from there. What kinds of concessions or compromises have you had to make so far in order to make music that you're both happy with? There's a lot. Um, I mean, but we are both very, we both know ourselves very well. And I think that always helps because we know what we want and know what works in our voices. Um, But I think overall, communication is key. And like Brendan will always say, I wanted this. Or if it's too high for me, I always ask to take it down, whether Brendan likes it or not. And um, as far as conceding goes, like, most of it happens before we even get into the studio. Yeah, I mean, I started out writing a lot of the songs, and I have a much higher voice than Greg, so we have had to, like, take some things down or Greg's had to strain. Um, but now I feel like our songwriting process over time has gotten a lot more collaborative. We pretty much now always work on songs together. Yeah. And we'll be brutally honest with each other. If we don't like something, we will, we will say that. Yes. <laughs> but it always comes from a place of love, so... Mm-hmm. Now, Brendan, you are Caucasian and Jewish, and Greg, you are Black, though adopted and raised into a white family. Can you tell us how music has transcended those superficial differences and how it actually exposed similarities in your lives? I mean, we definitely come from very different backgrounds, 
but we definitely also have a lot in common and I mean honestly we both one of the things that like we liked about each other when we met is that we both liked um, a lot of the same music yeah I think music has been the thing also I mean at the end of the day like <clears throat> it, it, I don't know it sounds I think the, I think it sounds like we'd be way more different than it really than we than are we really are I don't think it's as dramatic it's more it sounds more dramatic than it really is I yeah think. but I feel like also music and art can like I guess transcend a lot of cultural things as well yeah I think so yeah and our styles have so many different genres I mean we have we had a, some hip-hop in one of our songs we have a lot of pop and rock and blues and even country people keep saying that I don't know <laughs> You guys are true examples of how cultural labels and expectations that come along with those labels are actually more dividing in theory than they are in the real world. As music writers, do you consider yourselves a fabulous storytellers? I think storytelling and music are one and the same. Um, and it's important that artists, especially singer-songwriters, tell a story in whatever way is necessary because I feel like a lot of music is just a beat now like I feel like there's we're missing the story that we used to have um so yeah I think we are great totally yeah all of our songs and then especially once the visual element and the music video comes in it's always trying to tell a story and it's really our story I feel like you know our EP that will be coming out soon is kind of almost like a rock opera that it like really if you listen to it all the way through it tells the whole story it's it's a story about love and each song has to do with love um literally every single song on our ep um is all about different forms of love so yeah i love that a collection of music around the concept of love is exactly what the world needs right now in fact, I think it is about time I share some of your music with our listeners. You guys are listening to The Chucky Jam Hour right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. And this is I Want a Man by Fab the Duo. I want a man Who actually gives a day Wants me for more than my body Who loved me for who I am Through the good and the bad And I want a man Who isn't afraid of showing emotion Who's okay with being vulnerable Shed off his skin, let others in. And if there's anybody out there who needs some love, I can lend a helping hand. I'm so sick of all the liars and the charmers and the cheaters. I just need. Yes, hold me every night 
won't care who knows the whole my head with pride Welcome back. You are listening to the Junkie Jim Hour right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. That was I Want a Man by the fabulous Fab, the duo. Now, Brendan, you have previously stated that you wrote the song because you wanted to share with the world the specific message that it is possible for everyone and anyone to find and have a relationship where they can truly be themselves and be happy. Why was this message so important for you both to share? Um, I feel like I Want a Man was such an important song for me because I wrote this song before I found my man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like so many gay people feel like they're not going to have a normal life. They're never going to be able to find their person. There's just not enough or they can't be out and they'll never be able to have children. There's all these ideas that if you're gay, your life's gonna be a lot harder and sadder. And like, I mean, sure, there's prob- there, it probably is some ways that it is a little harder, but I mean, I wouldn't give it up for the world. <laughs> yeah. Now, what has been some of your experiences with self-doubt or not believing that love was possible, whether it was for yourself or for others? I mean, we both kind of grew up in smallish towns where there weren't really gay people at all. So, and we also, I feel like, at least growing up, there wasn't enough representation in the media. Mm. So, um, we just, you know, there weren't really that many happy gay couples. And any time there was actually, like, a gay person, they were either, like, ridiculously, they were just, like, comic relief, or they were tragic, they had AIDS, or they got beat. I mean, even now, you still see, like, all this unnecessary we just watched it too and they had this completely unnecessary like gay bashing scene at the beginning like just because <laughs> i definitely never 
believe that I would ever have someone, especially not someone who I was going to be in a business with, let alone be in Yeah, a, that a, definitely a would pop, did not expect. Like a music <laughs> business with. So, like, honestly, life takes you on a journey, and I'm just here for yeah, it. Yeah, and we're both each other's first boyfriends, mm. so. Now, in the video for I Want a Man, there are two lovers dancing, Gabby and Ezra, real-life partners and talented performers identifying as a woman and a trans man, which I did not know until you guys told me. Was it your intention to visually showcase, regardless being gay, lesbian, straight, anyone could want anyone regardless of their gender or how they identify themselves? Um, Ezra is this talented, talented trans man actor who is making history on Broadway and in movies. He's about to be in the, um, upcoming West Side Story movie. And, um, yeah, like, I think that, that labels themselves are, it's just that. It's a label that is smacked on you before you even have a chance to do it. And I think that, um, it is important to erase it, but it is also important to, um, you know, challenge people's perspectives. Like, for instance, just now, misgendering, it's like, well, what made you say that? You know? So I think that that is an, a powerful message in itself. Like, you never know. Yeah. So you might as well ask. And yeah, <laughs> and I Want a Man, literally, we wanted to challenge the idea of what a man was. Sure, we could have had a music video about this hunky, you know masculine cis dude like walking around but we preferred to really challenge the idea of like what masculinity was yeah and i think the most important thing is that a man is simply anyone who identifies as a yeah man. <laughs> totally now to be clear greg i do agree with you you are who you say you are a uh, man woman or neither I certainly take pride in honoring that for others. In fact, my first boyfriend is now a trans woman. Now the video for I Want a Man, which is gorgeous, wonderfully produced. Now for independent artists, sometimes it's easy to undersell their value. Why is it so important for you guys to take an all or nothing approach where no expense is too great to fulfill what you envision for yourselves? And do you have any advice for other artists who might not have your budget? So for us, I think it's mostly important for us um, that we we want to be the biggest, you know, name, honestly. I think we can both say that. Like, And that's not even just like an ego thing. I think it's mostly for us to be able to tell our story far and wide. And also the fact that there is no one like us so they're to be able to be in the mainstream market and to be at the top of our game and to be able to inspire so many people and you know that that's where i believe that fab belongs is it's not just a band it's a movement and we hope that people join in and unfortunately being an artist and being successful as an artist and going anywhere you have to put in an investment if you're if you don't take yourself seriously no one else will so sure we could have done like a cheaper cheaper music videos but we really especially at the beginning of our career wanted as high quality as possible mm -hmm. and you know if 
it's been a lot. We've had to really work super hard to be able to, to do all of this stuff. And I feel like, you know, after doing it, we've started to learn what things we can do ourselves and what things we can't. Yeah. And sometimes it is better to trust yourselves in hiring on someone who, you know, might yeah. have other ideas for you that isn't you. But mm-hmm. there are there are some points where you just have to be willing to, like, put in some investment because it really is worth it. And the thing I always say is... In order to make money, you gotta look like money. In order to ask for money from other people, you gotta look like money. If you don't look like money, and you're not willing to spend the whatever you can, if you're not willing to go all in and risk it all, then what makes, then what will make other people do that with you or for you? Because it's just not possible. And that's the most important thing is I would say learn your business and be comfortable with the business side of the musician so you can be in control of your art you guys are doing an amazing job of creating and presenting your music at a level that says we belong here music artists today are now synonymous with their following of which your following is known as fabits how did the moniker fabit come about i don't really know because <laughs> Because of the bad F word that people like to say, I think that's how we got it. It's kind of like reclaiming it's it reclaiming in a fun it way. reclaiming it in our own little way. Also, Lizzo's fans <clears throat> called Lisbians kind of helped influence it. Um, but yeah, it's it's it was honestly just, it was cute. It was fun, and it just happened to be kind of similar to that bad F word that we don't like to be called as gays. Um, and we thought it was quite on brand <laughs> yeah <laughs> as fab the duo you have had trouble defining yourselves within the context of a specific genre though you have declared that your sound is pop rock in your opinion is genre still relevant or is it an antiquated system of labels for music um i feel like genres are definitely becoming less important and i think we're less and less being defined by genres, which I think is a really good thing. I feel like a lot of the music you hear today has so many roots from different things, and even the way that like playlists and Spotify are like dividing music, a lot of it now is more in like moods or tempo or energy and things like that rather than within genres. Yeah. I, I, I personally hope that genres become less and less relevant um because i do think it's a box that you get put into and then you have to kind of stay in that box and i don't think that as an artist or a singer or whatever that boxes should be a thing um i think it's easier for labels to you know market you maybe but i do think that a lot of music and everything is just it should be free yeah i think it's often really limiting to like force yourself you know our last song neither of us had ever rapped before and there was rap in it and like if we had just limited ourselves to things we didn't like knew how to do or we're staying in our lane um you know we wouldn't have had that also i feel like we're kind of just breaking all boundaries anyway there's literally been no group like us in history like a gay couple that does kind of pop music together so literally we don't really have anyone to 
We look, already don't yeah. have rules. Yeah, so we're just destroying all the rules. Fab the Duo is a gay pop rock band. Why is it important for you to specifically define yourselves as gay artists outright? Um, I think, I mean, first of all, it's important to be open to who you are. Um, and I think just the fact that we're a gay couple out and proud and performing our music, um, I hope it inspires other queer artists to feel like they're, you know, able to be themselves too. Also, one of the things that's like, you know, always weird to me is like you have all these artists who are gay before they get famous. Like they are gay and then their label tells them, be straighter, don't announce that you're gay. So they listen and then they come out later. And I think that as an artist, as I said before, you should always have control over who you are and your brand, as you are the reason why anyone is doing their job. So like, I think it's so important that we make such a statement about being gay and not being ashamed of it, not shying away from it. And hopefully one day we'll be able to say, look, we were able to do it, now you can too. And I think it's just so important for the young gay kids, the young trans kids, the young everyone who's different kids, to see someone be, represent them at the beginning of their career. Because it's so important to not show that you're ashamed of it if you're not. If you're not ashamed. And I feel like Lil Nas was never ashamed of being gay. It's, or at least I don't think he was. But like his label told him, you will do better if you stay in the closet. And so he listened. And then what did he do? He came out right before he, you know, got us all his awards. So it's, 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 I think it's just so important that we come, we are gay first. How does being gay inform your choices in terms of music and image? Definitely at the very beginning, you know, people who were kind of helping us and consulting with us suggested we try not to have our outfits and our looks be too gay. They were like, well, your name's already fab. Like, you know, you don't want to be too out there. And now we're kind of like, no, like, well, we're gay. <laughs> we, we can be as we're out there as possible. We're literally boyfriends <laughs> who sing together with heels on. Like, it, it, you can't get much gayer than that. And embracing <laughs> that extraness and just being like people the artists that get big are the artists who are willing to be weird and out there like lady gaga um and we didn't want to play it safe and so we... i also think it's i think the reason for that too is just because because you don't want like a your average person that you see on the street whenever you go pay four hundred dollars to go see someone on stage you don't want a person you see on the street you want someone who's larger than life and i think people do want that extraness i mean i'm sure even ed sheeran is not as <laughs> as casual as he is in person <laughs> and on stage that's you know there is that part so i feel like for us it was just it, it's just an exaggeration of who we are have you come across people who have automatically rejected your music for the simple fact that you are gay? Um, not outwardly. <laughs> I mean, definitely not in not in person. Not On the internet, person. we'll encounter occasionally a few trolls here and there who will, like just comment stupid things yeah. like that it's gross or that we're sinners or. But that doesn't phase us. I mean, me coming from Texas, I'm like, oh, that's all you got. But I think that also, like, I think that. We are very strong in who we are, and I think that if you listen to our music and you look at our music videos, you're you're gonna notice 
that really quick. And also, like, we're not selling gay. <laughs> like, we are gay, we are this, but we're not selling that. We're selling love. We're selling music. We're selling that. And gay is just part of the way that we sell it. <laughs> and so at the core of fab is love. And I feel like if you don't like love, then maybe well, you then, won't yeah, like us. But like, <laughs> whatever, then we that's, probably... That's a whole bunch of... It's a whole other issue. That's, but that sounds like a personal Even all problem. the... We've had so many straight guys like come up before their girlfriends would be like, dude, I love it. It's awesome. And I think also just like inspiring men in general to not feel like they have to like be stuck in these very like limiting masculine ideas. I think Mm -hmm. even for straight men to be like, oh my God, like these guys are wearing heels and they look, they look good. Like that's so cool. One of my favorite things is like whenever like these boyfriends of the women, like the straight men come up to us and they say oh my god I wish I could rock those pants and I'm like wearing a high-waisted like you know flare out white pant and they're like oh my gosh that's such a sick look and it makes me sad because I'm like you can wear this like just because society doesn't you know maybe doesn't look you know well on that you can wear it anytime like if you like it you should wear it and I think that that's something I personally want to tell a lot of people because fashion is expression and you should be able to wear what you want when you want it just because you like it. Indeed, flaunt it however you please for being gay and for being black or even being in a biracial relationship. Certain factions of society still has deep-rooted prejudices. How do you continually push past or against that? I think we're definitely about music and love first, and I feel like we try, Fab, we try not to focus too much on, like, the fact that, like, I'm white and Greg's black. Well, also, fun fact about that, I mean, like, Brendan's dad is African. He's from South Africa, so, like, there is, I think... So, technically, I'm, like, half African-American. <laughs> yeah, and you're more directly African-American, like down your first gen african-american even though you know you weren't born in africa but like it, yeah. it, 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 i think that nowadays everyone's a little bit something and and i think that focusing on that is missing the point <laughs> yeah and like greg grew up in a white family so i feel like we're really just trying to like you know we're not colorblind obviously no. we like you know obviously we see we know we're different but we're also trying to show that like it doesn't define us and that like you know we can be a couple that works together and be biracial it doesn't matter and i also think that race is always such a fire topic meaning like you speak on it once and someone will always find something wrong with what you say and i think that's just comes down to one person's experience to another um and i think that I, I think we will definitely get to a point where we talk on that more and we, like, develop that more. But we're also just learning. I mean, like, I know there's a lot of people who find a lot of reasons wrong with me dating a white man. But then again, I, I grew up with white people. So it's like, I, I, I am always been and I always will be a person that judges person on their, on their character. Um, and that's the only thing that influences my decision. And I think that personally, that's a better way to be because different people have different experiences. And I think prejudices and racism and all that is 
something that is sadly still relevant and will probably always be, unfortunately, but it's, it's, it starts with acknowledging, listening, and, you know, you know, trying to understand. I think that's really what it is. Yet, having you guys in your very own way, combating that with music and love is truly a gift. Another great song you guys have produced has a powerful message about not being afraid to be yourself and not getting in the way of someone else who is being themselves. We are going to have a listen to that right now. You guys are listening to The Joker Jam Hour right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. This is American Icon by Fab the Duo. Not even 17 And you're starting a new world vision He's got no fear He's got no shame The shower's like that At his age They call him Mr. Athena Because it's finally a boy who can listen
You are listening to The Jugga Jam Hour right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. That was American Icon by Fab the Duo. In reading some of the lyrics, not even 17. He's got no fear. He's got no shame. I wish I was like that at his age. Interestingly enough, that is exactly the age that I came out. I was 16. But then again, that was New York City, 1997. I can't imagine that it was the same experience as being from Southern Vermont or from Texas, where you guys are from. And, you know, I know you guys have previously mentioned that growing up gay can be lonely and isolating. What were your coming out stories and what challenges did you have to overcome to do so? Um, I feel like, I mean, those lyrics, I wish I was like that at his age, really hits home for me because at 17, I still was not really willing to face who I was. Um, You know, and it's a process for everyone. Not everyone is born knowing that they're gay. And for a long time, I, you know, I dated girls in high school. I did think I was attracted to women. I... It kind of had a lot of, you know, trouble figuring out who I was, especially seeing all the stereotypes of who gay men were and feeling like I didn't fit into that stereotype. I found that really hard. Um, also, growing up in a small town, having no other really out gay guys um, was difficult too. But again, once I did come out, and, you know, I was definitely lucky, but like I didn't lose any friends over it, I didn't lose any relationships, and honestly, things. It felt so much better to be myself. So I, in a lot of ways, wish I'd came out a lot earlier and was willing to be myself. Yeah, and for me, my experience, Texas, it was, you know, what you would expect. It wasn't easy. Um, In Texas, I I mean, growing up, I was just not, you know, the most um, fun kid in, in general. I was very annoying, loud, and crazy because I just wanted to be liked and I wanted to have friends and of course I pushed everyone away blah 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 but I was always bullied for that and then I was also always bullied for being gay but I wasn't really out um and I remember being like am I gay I don't know and I felt like like everyone knew this thing about me that I didn't know yet and everyone was bullying me for something that I hadn't even come to the conclusion for and I remember it was probably like eighth, ninth grade that I was like, okay, yeah, I think I am gay. I really am. Like, yeah. Um, and then I remember I was like, but I'm not coming out. I don't want to deal with the drama. I already get bullied enough. I don't want to be an out gay kid in Texas. And so I didn't. And I remember as I grew up a little bit more and found theater, I became more confident and pretty much was out to everyone in my family. But I was not going to come out in school. And then literally the day after I graduated, it was like I, I had to deal with myself. It was like, after I graduate, I'm going to be gay. I'm going to be out and proud and I'm going to live my best life. And so literally the next day after my graduation, I changed my Facebook status to, yes, I'm gay. Boom, 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 boom. And uh, yeah, so I didn't really have to deal with any loss of friends because I wasn't around anyone that I didn't like. Um, Everyone who was close to me already knew. And again, it seemed like everyone already knew before I did. And yeah, so. Like you guys, music has certainly saved me. How excited are you both that you're able to use this platform to speak directly to an audience who for most of their lives were unheard and underrepresented? It's an honor. 
it's an honor to be able to be that person for a lot of people. And we're so lucky that we're in this time where people are finally able to do this. I mean, there yeah. have been so many LGBT trailblazers before us that, mm -hmm. and we couldn't have done this without them. Nope. So we definitely don't take that for granted yeah. that we are in this time where nothing, things aren't perfect, but at least, you know, it's not a career death sentence to be out as gay anymore. Yeah. There are some, you know, really huge artists, Sam Smith, and the fact that Sam Smith came out as non-binary mm -hmm. in the last year, and all these different artists. And then you have artists like Harry Styles who are, like, com like completely changing what masculinity is mm -hmm. and, like, not being ashamed of it. And yeah trying new things yeah so i feel like this is like the perfect time yeah. to be doing what we're doing now you guys have said that some of your fans live in countries where it is still illegal to be gay on one hand it's rewarding to know that your music makes a difference on the other it's distressing to know that they still have to live in fear it's not something many artists understand or fail to acknowledge why is it important for Fab the duo to not only help tell their story, but to also share it with the world? Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many places in the world right now that, like, literally being gay is a death sentence. Yeah. I mean, when I visited Egypt, I had to hide. I had to hide both the fact that I was Jewish and the fact <laughs> that I was gay. I deleted all my dating apps, like Grinder. I yeah. So I, but I think just shows how important it is what we're doing because so many people people come into like our instagram live or people listen to our song from every continent from in africa and south america and europe and asia mm -hmm. and so many people were like wow that list was so affirming to me like growing up in this society where literally i have to hide who i am it's so affirming to just see people doing that and i i hope it gives hope that this won't always be the case. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's terribly sad and obviously, but like I also hope that there's some light at the end of the tunnel um, for those people who are listening. It's like, okay, I could still have love. I can still find it. Um, and I hope that this hatred and this just, you know, intolerance goes away because... I think everyone deserves love and deserves to be with who they want to be. You both refer to yourselves as the modern day Sunny and Cher, but you're both Cher. Which Cher would you each say best fits your personality? Uh, if I could turn back time Cher, Believe Cher, I Got You Babe Cher, Gypsies, Tramps and Thieves, or the I beat out Meryl Streep for an Oscar, then played her mother in Mamma Mia 30 years later, Cher. I'm, I'm probably, I got you, babe, Cher, honestly. I'm yeah. pretty sweet. I'm probably out of this as I, I think the, the I beat out Meryl Streep for an Oscar, then played her mother in Mamma Mia 30 years later, Cher. Because <laughs> you're seems petty like me. and extra. I'm petty, extra, and I will always make sure you know that I won. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Speaking of being extra, let's talk about your very extra latest hit single, No Prince Charming, featuring rapper and love and hip-hop personality, Mariah Lynn. Now, Greg, I know you wrote it. What was the inspiration for this song, and what is the overall message you want listeners to take away from it? I remember writing the song, and it was all about how 
people want this fairy tale and how I always thought that fairy tales were where a lot of hatred and um, homophobic thoughts began because you grow up thinking um, that a man and a woman live happily, happily ever after and you never hear any other kind of story and I wanted people to realize that maybe you don't need a Prince Charming anyway and if you did you can rewrite that story to fit you because you can still get a happy ending even if you don't have a Prince Charming um, and so I wanted people to be empowered and feel loved and um, so I combined those two ideas and put them together and it became No Prince Charming. We are going to have a listen. This again is No Prince Charming by Fab the Duo featuring Mariah Lynn. Cinderella, all the fellas think I'm hella fine. 
That, of course, was No Prince Charming by Fab the Duo, featuring rapper and love and hip-hop personality Mariah Lynn. Wonderful, guys. You don't need No Prince Charming to save you. All you need is you. Self-love is the true test. I love how the video is centered on women discovering their own self-love and their plights with their own image issues. Of course, still to this day, women are subjected to having most of their stories, especially in music and film, written by and told through the lens of a man. It seems that collaborating with a woman, Mariah Lynn, on this song was intentional. Did you feel that it couldn't be complete without a woman's perspective? We write for ourselves first, and then we put women in it. I mean, it's a universal story. We don't ever say this is a woman's story. We just say this is a story, and you can put anyone in it. <laughs> I, yeah, and I think just listening mm -hmm. to the women who you're featuring in this story, yeah. they were all very actively involved, yeah, they and were. they Katie, made their own choices, yes. and, you know, listening to, like, what they want, too. Um, I think, you know, as long as you're listening to the people and acknowledging them for who they are yeah. i think that's all we can do i also got to give a shout out to mariah lynn because she also brought a fun energy that's to it very that true would have never could have never dreamed of we whenever thinking about collabs we were always like we definitely wanted a like our dream was to have like a female rapper because we thought okay you have this whole gay let's put some women into it <laughs> like yeah instead of another man or whatever because we are very universal that's what we try to do and then she hopped on the track and added that and i think that it just brought that message together like we all want someone but we don't need someone and i think that's what we you know succeeded in doing yeah and i do agree i don't think this song would have felt complete without mariah lynn in it mm -mm. I think no. just having us in it, it sure would have been, been fun. It been fun, but like it didn't. It felt so much more real and more universal for everyone having someone like Mariah Lynn. According to Billboard, you guys said to have someone of Mariah Lynn's caliber believe in your music is something you don't take for granted. But I'd imagine it's possible that Mariah Lynn herself was happy to have musicians of your caliber believe in her as well. May, you know, honestly, I do I do remember Mariah Lynn being like, thank you so much for including me in this. I think a lot of rappers in general, especially female rappers, would love to collab with a lot of gay rappers. I mean, I think that's... There's, there's just a lack of gay rappers and gay anything in hip-hop. There's a lot of homophobia in it. Um, but I think that, you know, she was so gracious in being a part of it. And... I think it was just a pure collaboration that worked well. No. I don't think that anyone felt, you know, There wasn't anything. a power dynamic. And no. honestly, we did become, like, really good friends. We still FaceTime. Yeah, we still talk. <laughs> we respect each other so much artistically, too. I mean, I discovered Mariah Lynn when I heard her song, Once Upon a Time, not long ago, I was a hoe. And, like... <laughs> Honestly, that song's so empowering. Just being like having this badass woman just singing about being, being a, a hoe, hoe, like admitting it, and not it. being ashamed. And of we it. were like, "Oh my god, this girl's amazing!" And we looked her up and found out she was on Love and Hip Hop and had like one and a half million followers mm -hmm. and was like this really important voice in the hip hop community. Yeah. And 
I think we both respected each other a lot and just having, um, you know, it, it was really, I felt super honored to also be like yeah. a gay guy having such a big rap, influential rapper in this song. And yeah. hopefully some of her fans who may not have been exposed to a lot of queer people yeah, um, get exposed to it. And I know that like after the song came out, I remember getting a lot of messages from a lot of gay artists that were trying to make it in the business. And they were like, Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I've never seen any gay rappers before. And like, and I'm, I do not consider myself a rapper at all. I consider myself that I can rap, but I am not a rapper. Um, and so like to have that little bit of influence on these gay rappers to show them, hey, look, we're gay and we're rapping with a prominent rapper. You can do it too. Just yeah. just keep going. And I think that was beautiful. Yeah, and collaborating in general is just fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, we... We love doing our own thing, but we also love collaborating with other artists. I mean, we're always collaborating. Well, yeah, technically, yeah, because we're a couple. We're a duo, so we're always collaborating. But also, it's always just fun to do stuff with other artists and learn from them. Yeah. Also, another one thing um, is just like, I remember being like, okay, we do have something whenever she hopped on the track. Yeah. I remember being like, wow, okay, we, we do have something if we can get someone like her on our songs. And um, so yeah, like that was a special moment. Yeah, definitely affirming that we never forget. And thank you guys for collaborating with me. Now, of course, we can find out all about Fab the Duo on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Fab the Duo. You could also find out more information about them at www.fabtheduo.com. You could also find them on YouTube. Their music can be found on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, Google Play, and Deezer. They're also working on an upcoming EP, so we'll be looking out for that. And to find out about more about us and what we do here, you can log on to www.radiofreebrooklyn.com and everything Christopher Albert and Junket Jam, you can go to www.junketjam.com. And as Fab the Duo would say to you all, be you, be proud. Thank you guys so very much for sharing your time and talents and insights with me. Thanks so much for having us. 